0: Timpy is uh, one of my mentors, and I'm so grateful that God put her in my life years back. Um, I won't tell you how old I am, but since the early 80s, I've come to know Timpy, a woman of God, just God using uh, so much all over this country, traveling. I don't know how she does it. I really don't know. You're right. <laughs> I do know. But it's the Lord that has been just all over our life just so dedicated to, to the Lord. I've shared this year with us here before. Uh, when I was in college, Timhy already started doing evangelistic work, and she was going to teach us. I don't know if you remember this if she was going to teach us how to believe and trust God for words of knowledge and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And she locked us all up in one room and wouldn't let anyone go out. <laughs> and we had to believe God to receive words of knowledge. We did. It wasn't easy for us. <laughs> Everyone wanted out the door. I remember someone got a word of knowledge and came to me. I was also struggling trying to hear the Lord. He says, uh, what a good luck. Is the the Lord giving you something like? I said, no. (laughs) And then he come back again. That was Steve Duke. Yes, he gave a good word that day, a word of knowledge that was so powerful. And uh, finally, I told him, why don't you leave me alone? If God has given you a word, you go speak it. Because right now, I'm still struggling to get my word. Okay? He spoke that word and really ministered to everybody who was from God. And uh, that told me, God can use people. And so you use, God used you to just start us, just water our mouths so we can start going out, sharing the word of God. And uh, she's been a blessing to me, my family, and we're so glad to have you here today. Would you put your hands together? Please welcome her. She has a good work for us. Thank you so much. Good luck.
1: And you are a blessing to me, your family, for many, many years. And uh, I'm just glad to be back. Hallelujah. Thank you. So glad to be back. I forgot my glasses, but you know what? I think I can see this. We're gonna talk today about something oh, I forgot I'm supposed to sing. I remembered. I don't usually, but I did. Okay. This song is called Pieces. I wonder if I could do Don't Look Back. I wonder if I remember the words to that. That's on there. I don't remember what number it is, but look on there and see if is that gonna be is that gonna mess you up? got a little more. Is that going to work? Okay. Oh, thank you. (laughs) Just in case. I wrote this song. I hope I can remember the words to it. Oh, that's the other one. All right, I'll sing that one. There's a spirit of confusion in here. And I think I brought it. Okay, let's do this one.
2: Pieces. Pieces. So many pieces to my life. scattered all around and some of them were gone and I know that I could never put them all together a daydream that filters through your mind. I saw Jesus coming closer, holding all my dreams combined. He spoke with great compassion as he put one hand on me. Every single day I can put them all together so they'll never fall away. Yes, I'll put them all together and there'll never be another one who can. There'll never be another one. Peace.
1: Thank you. There will never be another one. Jesus is plan A. There is no plan B. We're going to look at the book of Ruth this morning. The title to to this little talk today is There is a Miracle in Your Mess. How many want a miracle to come out of your mess? Amen. Ruth chapter 1. And uh, we're going to... Start with verse 1. Now, it came to pass in the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land, and a certain man of Bethlehem Judah. Now, there's a lot of typology right in here, a lot of symbolism. Uh, Bethlehem means bread or word, and uh, the word Judah means praise. They had lived in an environment of word and worship. And then there was a famine in the land, and uh, they had a temporary problem, and they left. Now, you know, some people will do that. They're in church, in the Word, and into worship, and then something happens, you don't see them anymore. So they left Bethlehem, Judah, and they went to dwell in the country of Moab. Now, the word Moab there means idle or lazy. He and his wife and his two sons, the name of the man was Elimelech. He was the patriarch of the family, and uh, the name of his wife was Naomi, and the names of his two sons were Malon and Chilion, Ephratites, of Bethlehem, Judah. And they went to the country of Moab and remained there. Then Elimelech, uh, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left and her two sons. Now they took wives of the women of Moab. The name of the one was Orpah, not Oprah, okay? And the name of the other was Ruth, and they dwelt there about ten years. Now, that's a long time to be in idleness, to live in idleness. Then both Malon and Chilion also died. When you leave word and worship, things begin to die. So the woman survived her two sons and her husband. Verse 6, then she arose with her daughters-in-law that she might return from the country of Moab, for she had heard that the Lord had visited his people by giving them bread. In other words, she heard the famine was over. Therefore, she went out from the place where she was and her two daughters-in-law with her, and they went on the way to return to the land of Judah. Now, of course, we know that Orpah turned back. She went back to Moab, and Ruth stayed with her mother-in-law, And uh, let's pick it up at verse 19. Now, the two of them went out until they came to Bethlehem. And it happened when they had come to Bethlehem that all the city was excited because of them. And the woman said, is this Naomi? See, they didn't even recognize her. Uh, Bitterness will change your look. Verse 20, But she said to them, Do not call me Naomi, call me Mara, for the Almighty has dealt bitterly with me. I went out full, and the Lord has brought me home again empty. Why do you call me Naomi, since the Lord has testified against me, and the Almighty has afflicted me? I think it's interesting how we, kind of amazing really, how we blame God for everything bad that happens. Hello? Uh, I think it was uh, John 10.10 10 that says that the devil came to kill, steal, and destroy. But Jesus came that we might have life and have it more abundantly. And yet we blame God for a bad thing that happens. And Naomi says, call me what I just went through. Boy, don't we love to label people. Oh, she's a divorcee. No, it was an event in your life. It doesn't divine who you are. Hello? It was a defense, just a, a, and a, you know, I mean, how we do that, it's, we love the label. And so don't ever let a season in your life define you. You know, I know of a, a gentleman who was really big in the music world, very big in the music world. Uh, You may not know his name because he was always kind of in the background, but he was one that, uh, uh, well, he he played a wonderful organ, but he also did a lot of uh, work in studio work, and you'll find his name on just about every gospel uh, album there is. And he seldom smiled. Now, I've known him for years and years and years, and then one day he put a picture of himself on Facebook, and he had this little smile. And somebody commented, said, Harlan, that's, that's a great smile. And he commented underneath that, well, it's funny you should say that because uh, when I was in the 8th grade, a girl said that I had a funny smile and so I, I haven't smiled much since. And I'm going, what? Those drive-by words become more powerful than the Word of God? Hello? And we get stuck. In these places, just because somebody said something a long time ago or even if something happened to you a long time ago, we get stuck and we we let that thing control our lives in in some ways, maybe not in every way, but in some ways. And I'm thinking, don't we let Jesus into those places? We need to let Jesus into those empty places, don't we? Man, I couldn't get an amen if I was handing out $20 bills. Y'all wake up. Okay, wake up. All right, help me out up here. You know, nobody, there you go. Hallelujah. Praise you, Jesus. Woo. Nobody has ever lived life without hurt. You know, being heartbroken, grief or whatever. Nobody. But it's how we react to it that shows what level of maturity we have. You know, when people go around and get offended at every little thing, that's a sign of immaturity. And I hate to tell you this, but churches are full of them. Mm -hmm. You can be saved 40 years and still be immature. If people get offended at every little thing, that is a sure sign of immaturity. See, we have to renew our minds by... You know, we're transformed, which means changed by the renewing of our minds. That's how we change and we grow. And there's a lot of people that are saved. They go to file in and file out every Sunday, but they, they're not in the Word. You know? And they come, and it's kind of a little contest to see if the pastor was as good as he was last week. Oh, man, y'all are rough this morning. <laughs> y'all are trying me today. Hebrews twelve fifteen. looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace, lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble, and by this many become defiled. Don't let your bitter root cause others to eat of your bitter fruit. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because, see, we can hand that down to our children. They can eat of that bitter fruit fruit forever and pass it to their children and their children because we didn't grow up in that area see when the children of israel were in the desert they didn't build houses they built tents because the wilderness is supposed to be a temporary place we don't live there we wait till we get to the promised land then we build houses you know but it's supposed to be a time of and and truly you know uh I just broke my ankle and my knee. I was pumping gas. That sounds innocent enough, doesn't it? I was just got in from town, just got in from a speaking tour. Spent the night in Atlanta with my son and his family and then I drove into Greenville and thank God I went on home and I got all my stuff out of the car. And emptied my car. Really glad I did that. And then I went to the bank. And then I went to pump gas. And I was going to get the car wash because it says, would you like a car wash? Yes. And then you do that, you know, and you save a few bucks on your uh, gas doing that. And then I was going to go to the cleaners. And then I was going to, well, you know how it is. Anyway, I never got past the gas pump. Have you ever put the gas nozzle thing in and then tried to step over the hose? Don't do it. Don't do that. I'd done it a thousand times. And boy, down I went. And um, and you know it was a trial. It was a real trial. Because I'm a goer. You all know that. I am a goer. And that was tough. And so there I was, months in bed, people waiting on me. And praise God you find out who your friends are. And the problem, what, don't you have two daughters? Yeah, but one of them had just had surgery on a rotator cuff because she was in a car wreck. And the other one, oh, this is a real sad story. My my son-in-law, they live in Pensacola. My son-in-law used to pitch for the Cubs. And the top of his bucket list was to go to a World Series game with the Cubs in it. Well, how often does that happen? It's like every hundred years or something. You know, so he got the tickets for one game. That's all they could afford, one game. And so they drove to Chicago, and, uh, and they, the night before the game they were supposed to go to, they went out to dinner, and then getting in a cab, Mindy slipped somehow, my daughter, and she fell and broke her ankle in two places and her foot on the other leg. Wound up in the ER, and Ray would not leave her. And he gave his ticket to the attending physician. What a guy. I kind of like that guy. Yeah. And so there was Mindy laid up. There was April laid up. So like I said, you find out who your friends are, you know. And I had two girlfriends drive up from Tallahassee to take care of me. My granddaughter, Chrissy, Kristen, excuse me, shouldn't like Chrissy anymore. It's Kristen. Um, flew down from Connecticut and took care of me for 10 days after my surgery. My goodness, you know. So she kind of went back and forth between her mama's house with the rotator cup and my house with the ankle and the knee. And so, oh, my goodness. And I'm like, what is going on? What is this? And, you know, I could have felt sorry for myself. But like Dr. Phil says, how's it working for you? I mean, knows the Holy Spirit sometimes sounds like Dr. Phil. Well, how's this working for you? And when you get through doing your thing, then then I'll you know when when you're done trying to control everything, then I'll take over, mamas. With that kid that you keep enabling, now, how's it working for you? Ooh, I don't know who that was for. Ooh, it's always somebody on the tape right somebody on the seat it's it's never anybody in here I know yeah and you know something he maketh to lie down in green pastures and it's not a a green pasture is not a wilderness but we think it's a wilderness but a green pasture is a place of feeding what are we going to feed on the word and that's what I've been doing And it's pretty cool. You know, I didn't have a whole lot of time to just rest and enjoy friends and family and get in the Word. I mean, I I wanted to write some more, but when that anesthesia is in your brain, you can't think for three months. And I'd try to think, and it was just nothing, nothing. I said, okay, we won't do that. So, and you know, I... I mean, people are kind and they, they mean well. But a lot of people on Facebook said, well, the Lord did that so that you'd rest. And I'm going, God breaks your leg? God's a child abuser? No. No. That's, that's not how that goes, actually. He is not a child abuser. He will use it, but he won't cause it. That ought to be a magnet on your refrigerator right there. I was tempted, hello, to step over that gas hose. And something told me not to. Now, guess what that something was? That still, small voice. Sometimes, don't you wish he'd turn up the volume just a little bit? (laughs) Come on, Lord, can you give me a memo and triplicate here, please? You know, I'm just kind of this dumb broad down here, and you're God. You know, I need a little more. But this still small voice said, Don't do it. And, of course, I rejected that because I'd done it a thousand times after all. Well, a thousand and one did it for me. And so the Bible says, In 1 Corinthians 10.13, no temptation has overtaken you except such as common to man. But God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. Guess what the escape hatch is? Don't do it. (laughs) Remember that. There's always an escape, and the still small voice will say, "Uh-uh, don't don't go there. Don't go out with that guy. Don't get in that car. <laughs> Who said that? <laughs> don't don't spend that, don't run up that credit card, don't. And then we find ourselves in bondage and wonder, what happened? How did I get here? He gave you a way of escape, and you didn't take it. Don't do it. Well, I shrugged off the warning. See, I had new shoes on. And, and the, the soles of those shoes were just a little bit thicker than the ones that I usually wear when I drive. Well, just thick enough. And they were like crepe soles. And boy, when they grabbed hold of that rubber hose, they just got married. You know, it just. (laughs) That was rough. And I went down very ungraciously and, and broke my ankle. Broke my knee in two places. Torn ligament and torn meniscus. And uh, there was a man sitting there watching this whole thing in his car, and he was looking at me, and I said, help me, and he drove off. Yeah, he just drove off. I thought, well, he was probably a terrorist or something, you know. So they, finally a lady drove up, and she saw me, and she heard me, because I'm yelling, right? And uh, they called the ambulance and took me to the hospital. Okay, so anyway, and I could have, could have gotten into a big pity party. You know why a pity party is such a drag? Only two people show up, you and the devil. What kind of a party is that? And I could have, but let me tell you something. See, my brother had MS. Good looking six foot four dentist. And he got MS, which destroyed his career after all that education. And every morning when he woke up, he knew he was just going to get worse. And I knew I was going to get better. I absolutely could not complain. I just couldn't. And so people are patting me on the back and saying, well, you're certainly taking this well. I said, no, not really. Anyway, when I got born again, see, somebody came to live in me that is the Prince of Peace. And I think we're supposed to live in peace, don't you think? But you see, what we do is we get all stressed out over all these things. And when we're stressed out, we're actually fighting the one that's in us. We live in a stressful world. And we think it's normal. It's our normal. That's sad. That's very sad because uh, stress is a killer. And so if I had this this. Person on the inside of me whose characteristics, you know, that's a better word than fruit. Fruit of the Spirit. It's not really a good translation. The best translation is the characteristics of the Holy Spirit are love and joy and peace. Well, how can we have stress and sadness and anger if he's Lord of our lives? And he, you know what? Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God. You're bought with a price. And you're not your own. And we run around acting like we're own all the time. And, uh, and, you know, we've got to yield to the Holy Spirit and let His joy and His peace live, us, live in us. I like to call the uh, fruit of the, the Spirit of joy. You know, there's nine of them. Joy one of them. <laughs> and I call that one the Clint Eastwood of the fruit of the Spirit. Because he'll look at a stressful situation and look right at it and say, go ahead, make my day. So don't forget you got Clint Eastwood in there too. So I've been tempted to be down, but as I said, all I have to do is think of my brother. So what good does it do to get upset and bitter and and sad and depressed and all what tell me one thing good that comes out of any of that? Can anybody come up with anything? Nothing. Zero. Zilch, not a zip, nothing. In fact, I'm going to read a list to you because I Googled stress related diseases. Are you ready? <laughs> Cancer high blood pressure, heart disease, diabetes, Alzheimer's, insomnia, fibromyalgia, circulatory problems, peptic ulcers, poor immune function, migraines, eating disorders, depression, anxiety and panic attacks, psychological distress, which can lead to drug abuse. Smoking is caused by stress. It's supposed to make us feel better. And then there are generational curses that we have not realized yet that the curse stops at the cross because Jesus became a curse for us. And, uh, you know, that's just about all of them, isn't it? So stress is a killer. This is why Jesus said over and over and over, take no thought. Cast your care upon me. Cheer up, I've overcome the world. I mean, think of all, you know, be anxious for nothing. Take my yoke upon you. Let me hook up with you and 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 I'll carry your burdens. We're not big enough. We're not built to carry these heavy things. We're absolutely not. But he is. Amen. Thank you. And so you ain't going to like this one. You liked me until now, but this is going to be it. Proverbs twelve four: An excellent wife is the crown of her husband, but she who causes shame is like rottenness in his bones. And there's another uh, translation that says, it's the New Living Translation, translation says, a worthy wife is a crown for her husband, but a disgraceful woman is like cancer in his bones. Now, don't get all puffed up, guys, because I've got news for you. Living with some of you ain't easy either. Well, don't look around. She's supposed to be your helpmate. But, hey, guys, you're supposed to love her like Christ loved the church. And if we really followed the Scriptures like we're supposed to, there probably wouldn't be as much sickness as we have James 5:16 says confess your faults one to another and pray for one another that ye may be healed and so sin also causes stress and sickness because one goes with the other and when we carry these things in our bodies when we, we, we get sick and, and what he's saying here is it's confess your faults one to another and pray for one another and keep us from, from being sick. You know, there's another thing. We need to pray preventive prayers instead of waiting until we get sick and then ask him to heal us. Did you ever think of praying preventive her- prayers, Lord, don't ever let cancer come nigh my dwelling place. What's wrong with that? Yeah. So, have you ever heard of uh, Milton Green? Anybody know who that is? He's the guy that, and and James Robinson tells this in his testimony, Milton Green is the guy that used to follow him around, because, you know, James Robinson is this huge evangelist, and now he's got a TV show, but used to, maybe he still does it, but he, he would go everywhere and preach, and he was a great evangelist. And Milton Green, unbeknownst to uh, James, he didn't know the man, but uh, Milton would follow him around and the Lord spoke to him and said, I just want you to pray for him. And then uh, he spoke to him and said, he has a major spiritual lust. And so he said, well, how am I supposed to take care of that? And he said, I'll fix you. And so he did. He put him in the next room in a hotel. And so this one night, Milton goes out of his room, goes over and knocks on James's door and... Uh, James opens it, and here's this man. He thought I'd seen him in the audience. He says, "Uh, well, hello, you know, may I help you? And he said, yeah, I'm supposed to pray for you. Well, what do you say to that? You know, I mean, and he said, okay. So he let him in, and so Milton goes over, pulls out a chair, sit down. So Milton sits down, and, and, I mean, uh, James sits down, and Milton begins to pray. And he's not quiet. I mean, he is praying, and he's walking round and round that that uh, chair, and all James can do is say, "I hope nobody can hear this guy." I mean, he was he was embarrassed, and so he prayed for him, and he prayed for him, and then he cast out this spirit of lust, and 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 James said, "I didn't vomit, I didn't throw up, or I didn't, you know, go on the floor and roll around or anything. I just didn't feel anything. I just want him to hurry up and stop." And so he finally stopped, said goodnight, went back to his room. And James said, the next morning, that claw was no longer in my brain. Now, you can imagine that Milton, after James giving that testimony worldwide, Milton got kind of popular. And so everybody wanted Milton to come preach. And so he got to be pretty well known. And uh, so one time, he was called by a husband whose wife was in the um, hospital, to come and please pray for her to be healed. And so James, I mean, uh, Milton started out the door. Now, just before he went out the door, the Lord told him to pick up a legal pad and a pen. So he did. Then he went to the hospital and the husband, you know, uh, says, there's my wife. And he said, okay, you can leave please. And so he goes in, he sits down next to the wife and introduces himself and, and says, I'm here to pray for you. And, uh, I just need to sit here a moment and see what God wants me to do. And she's thinking, like, he pray for me? Maybe, you know. But uh, how many knows that Jesus operated that way? I only do what I see the Father doing. I only say what I hear the Father saying. I only do that which pleases the Father. And if he operated that way, maybe we should. And so he waited. And pretty soon the Lord said, draw a big circle. So he drew a big circle. He said, now draw three smaller circles inside that big circle. So he did. He said, name this one bitterness, this little circle. Name this one jealousy. And name that other one cancer. And so he stands up and he shows it to her. And he said, now let me get this straight. You want me to pray for this one pointed to the cancer. But what about these other two? And he said what they were. And she began to cry and cry. And she began to repent. And guess what happened? She got healed. Are you hearing me? Sometimes it's other people in our household besides our spouse. Sometimes kids get on drugs. And do all kinds of strange things, and that causes a lot of inside stress for a parent, and they start getting sick, and they don't know why. See, we got to be careful how we treat one another in our homes, and and every every which way. If we're if we're saved, shouldn't we act saved? That's that's South Carolina for saved. Saved. I live in Greenville, South Carolina. You got to say it right. It's Grineville. G-R-A-I-N-V-U-L. Grainville. you got to learn to talk like they do. So you see what I'm saying. And then uh, there's, I mean, especially since we have the Prince of Peace on the inside of us and our, our bodies. Listen, God's blueprint for our bodies is to live in peace. This is why our bodies freak out completely when we get into stress. What does it start doing? Acid is dumped into our stomachs. Our blood pressure shoots up. Our arteries constrict. We start biting and chewing on our lip. And it's like our bodies are going, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. It's freaking totally out because it was made to live in peace. And it starts attacking itself. So this is really just, you know, and the people love to say, oh, but you don't understand my situation. You see my situation. No, the Bible says that we, whatever temptation we have is common to man. It's common to man. We just read it a while ago. Okay? And listen to this one, James 3.16, for where envy and strife is... There is confusion, and get this, every evil work. What? In other words, you just opened the door and invited every demon in hell to come live in your house, and they're hanging off your lampshades and everything else, and you wonder why your kids are running amok, and uh, everything's going wrong. It's because we've invited strife to come in. Are you all bored? All right, I'm glad nobody said amen. Well, let's get back to our story. So Ruth, you know, she's there, and and Naomi's uh, relation is Boaz, and he owns the farm. He owns the ranch, and she's out there gleaning in the hot sun. She doesn't smell good. She's probably not got a change of clothes. Her hair's matted, and she's a mess, Probably doesn't smell good at all. And she's out gleaning in the hot sun, and she's picking up stuff uh, behind the other harvesters, and it's not looking real good for her. I mean, she's impoverished. Uh, She's a foreigner and a widow, and she's got a mess on her hands. And all Naomi can see is that what happened to her made her bitter, and so just call me bitter, just call me. Can you imagine? Well, here comes old sourpuss. And so, you know, folks, we need to quit crying over everything that we've messed up. Quit crying over everything you've messed up because you know something, God can turn it around and bring a miracle out of it in no time at all. And God took Ruth out of Moab because her destiny wasn't there. And so maybe... Could it be that God's trying to get you to... I'm not saying that you're supposed to leave this church and move out of this state, but sometimes He wants us to move out of our state of mind. Because you've got gifts in you that maybe you've never even given yourself permission to try. Hello? You have no idea what you're sitting next to out there. You have no idea the intelligence and the and the giftedness and the beauty and the the caring heart you have no you might have seen little pieces of it here and there but you have no idea and some of y'all have no idea what's in you you've not given yourself permission to to mine the treasures that are in you are y'all are just shocked at all this stuff you never heard anything that you've got good stuff in you before You really do, but you're kind of wide-eyed like, really? Can I do that? No, you'll talk yourself out of it. Well, I can't draw a straight line. Get a ruler, honey. There's tricks
2: to this stuff.
1: How many times? I can't draw a stick person. We don't want your stick person. But if you have an interest in art, go take some lessons. Well, I never got to talk when I was a kid. Well, you probably got a a lot of words in you. You probably need to write a book just to get it all out. See... God took her out of a familiar place and put Ruth in a place that was foreign to her. Her, The gods were foreign. Everything about it was foreign to her, and yet that's where her miracle was. See, I'm from Oklahoma. I'm from Oklahoma. I thought I would always be in Oklahoma. I thought I would probably live there the rest of my life. But guess what? That's not where my miracle was. So when I got saved, God took me to South Carolina. I didn't even know where South Carolina was. I figured it was under North Carolina somewhere, you know, but that's about all I knew about it. And I knew it was kind of over that way somewhere. And I figured it must be a southern town since the name, you know, and all that. But um, so he took me to South Carolina, what I did not know was the most wonderful pastor in the world was there whose favorite, his favorite thing to do and his gifting was to build a strong foundation under baby Christians. And I just happened to show up as a baby Christian. And my children, too. They all came to me after I was saved, and they were a mess. Two of them had gone to prison. Hello? And so they got out. They came there. And Pastor Richardson and and those folks in that church just blessed them. So they all got saved. Now my son, uh, I have to brag on him just a minute. See that Cadillac SRX out there? He bought that for me. Am I blessed or what? Because he got tired of worrying about his mama on the road with that old Cadillac I had. So, anyway, uh, his favorite thing to do was to build a solid foundation under us. And uh, he did, I mean, I didn't know that's where my children were going to get strong and, and become powerful Christians. I didn't know that my best friend in the whole wide world was waiting there for me, Vivian Weller, who also recognized my art. And she and John put me in art school. All that was waiting for me, it was all there. Isn't that awesome? And so, but did God immediately put me in the ministry? Oh, no. No, no. See, he has to test us to see if we will be faithful in the small things. And uh, I had a pretty good little resume. I had it out there. I'd been editor of a magazine. I sang at the Acapulco Princess Hotel. That's pretty cool, you know. And the first job I got was working in a convenience store. And I said, God, really? Really? But you know something? Everybody, the Lord said, do everything as unto the Lord. I cleaned up that store. You can see up your dress in my floors, honey. <laughs> and I went down and bought a bunch of tracks and put them in the centerfolds of those dirty magazines and And then, but I still wasn't making enough money to take care of me and my pregnant daughter, so I, uh, and to, to pay for car insurance, one of the deacons in our church asked me if I would clean his offices and that would pay for my car insurance, and honey, I pulled staples out of carpet till my fingers bled. And I cleaned toilets, and then they asked me, well, would you like to be the janitor of the church? And I said, Yes. And so I cleaned a bunch more toilets. And you know something? One night I was cleaning the toilets. And I said, Lord, this really isn't what I had in mind. (laughs) Of course, I didn't know what I had in mind. All I knew is I wanted to serve him. And I said, but God, if this is what you have for me for the rest of my life. I will do it with joy, and I will do it as unto you. And it wasn't long after that he had me out doing other stuff. Naomi wanted them to call her by what she had been through. Mara, bitter. Can you imagine? Did you know that Barnabas, you remember Barnabas? Who was Barnabas? Somebody tell me quick. What? Encourager. Did you know that the word Barnabas means encourager? His real name was Joseph. How would you like to be called by your gift? He was called by his gift. We all know him as Barnabas because he was a great encourager. But his real name in the King James, it says Joseph, but his name was Joseph. Isn't that cool? Yeah, I can tell you all are excited. So, t- let me just say this: We're supposed to be going from glory to glory, right? You're in a glory right now, but God's not going to move you to the next one till He gets glory out of this one. Oh, that's why I'm still here. Yeah, but if you're griping and complaining about, did you know that the the children of Israel wandered in the desert for? 40 years and it was an 11-day trip? Because they griped and complained the whole way. If they had worshipped in the wilderness, they'd have been out there a lot sooner. Look at Jesus. He was out there just 40 days. Take your pick. 40 years or 40 days. But I, I just... You know, Jesus came walking on top of the water. He came walking on top of what the disciples thought was going to kill him. We need to be walking on top of these, some of these things that we're letting just shove us down into the pit. Hello? So, I, I'm just tired of, excuse me, I'm going to vent just a little bit, but I am sick and tired of Christians who are so happy in their little comfort zone. And they don't really care about their gift. They don't care that their gift could set somebody else free. They don't care about moving up. They love their little comfort zone, and you couldn't get them out of there if you were dragging them with a Ford F, whatever it is. <laughs> That's supposed to pull stuff out of stuff. And you can be sitting there carrying a gift that could set the captives free. I'm here to talk to somebody that realizes that time is short and we haven't got time to mess around anymore. Right? So get this. I don't care what your gift is. It can be... The gift of service, which means you're more comfortable working in the kitchen, which is great. We're not all evangelists. We're not all pastors. We're not all teachers. But maybe your gift is, is helping others and all that. Do it as unto the Lord. Because, listen to this very closely. Everything you do as unto the Lord, including including running a convenience store, becomes anointed and it becomes an act of righteousness. So I want to hear from those people who are tired of the same old, same old. Is there anybody in here right now that I'm talking to this morning? Because I'm winding down right now because I need to sit down. But I just want to know, if you need to repent for having squashed your gift down or you've been afraid to let it show because you're afraid your friends and families going to make fun of you. I can't find in this Bible anywhere, honey, where God says, "Now when your friends and family are on board with this, we'll we'll get you started." Okay. Okay. I wish I had the soundtrack to a song called Casual Christian. Anybody know that song? Has anybody ever heard that song? Oh, my goodness. The words are powerful, aren't they? I would like to find that. I'd love to find that because there's just so much to it. But um, let's all stand up. And I just.
2: Jesus. Jesus,
1: I want you to ask the Lord, Lord, show me what I'm not letting out. Show me the gifts that I have been afraid to use because I was afraid what others would think or not think. Show us, Lord. Let's just close our eyes and bow our heads. First, I want to ask you a question. Is there anybody here who does not know this Lord I've been talking about? Is there anybody here that does not know this gift giver that loved you so much that He's let he let his son die for you? What a gift. He let his son die on a cross for you. I'm asking you right now. If you feel the Holy Spirit tugging at you and you know that it's your time for salvation, I'm going to ask you to lift your hand up right now. Lift up your hand. Let me see you. Put it up high so I can see you. That's okay. Let her. Let her. Let her. Come on, sweetheart. Come on. You're not too young. Anybody? right where you are pray this prayer with me Heavenly Father I come to you with faith as a child I have nothing to bribe you with and after the cross I certainly have nothing to impress you with I come just as I am a sinner without one plea bargain And I come with faith believing that Jesus died on the cross for my sins. Forgive me, Lord, for all my sins, for all I've done wrong. Come live in me and fill me up with your Holy Spirit. And birth me into your kingdom and make me your very own. Thank you, Lord, for the unspeakable gift of salvation. And right now, Lord, I'm, ask, I'm talking to the Lord now for you. Right now, Lord, I'm asking you to draw out of everybody here those gifts that you've given them, Lord. And if they need to repent, if you all need to repent for not having let him have all of you, I want you to surrender that gift to him this morning. If you want to come to the altar to surrender it to him, come ahead now. This is the, this is the time to come. Give it all to you. You know, we sing all the time I surrender all, I surrender all, all to you, my blessed Savior. Sometimes I'm thinking maybe we're singing all but that, my blessed Savior. Leave nothing. Leave nothing for yourself. And give it all to Him. And watch Him move in your life. Hallelujah. Pastor Goodluck, please, come. Thank you, Jesus. I have CDs out there and I have books. And we'll talk about that later. But right now I'm going to turn it over to Pastor
2: Goodluck. Thank you.
0: Here this morning. Jesus is here. ten just gives the word just, just the way I've known her all these years, straight. But let's honor God today. Okay? Let's honor him. I will also add, maybe there are gifts in you that you don't know. How many would like to discover that? that God will show that to you. If that's you, would you please come up? Let's honor God today. There are gifts in you. Believe me, they are there. And God wants them out. Not just for you, but for those around you so you can touch their lives and minister to them.